And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. There's been one demand, and that's holding up that Lombardi trophy, period. That's all I care about, is holding that trophy up and holding that trophy up here. The prime thing is you have to win. You have to win. Otherwise, you can't be a success in professional football. You're listening to The State of the Nation with Jimmy Durkin, Vic Tafer, Tashawn Reed, and Ted Nguyen on the Athletic Podcast Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of State of the Nation post-game edition. I am Jimmy Durkin, joined as always by Vic Tafer, Deshaun Reed, and Ted Wynn. I don't know what you can say about this one. The Raiders lose 24 to nothing. We know everybody eagerly awaiting uh, all the deep breakdown of this loss. If you're one of the five listeners right now, you should get like a prize. If you actually tune into this, you are some sick puppies, but go ahead. Josh McDaniels apologized for it, and... I don't think the fans reacted all that well to the apology. I think a lot of uh, apologies did, did, did not, not accept the apology. Uh, th- there really wasn't anything that that he could say. You know, it was a lot of you know, this is on me, this is on me, and yeah, it's it's on him, it's on at Vic as you wrote, it's on Derek Carr, it's on it's on all the the veteran leadership. I mean, this team, it's not a young team. It's not a a team that. You should be worried about going on the road against a bad Saints team and just not showing up. But that's exactly what happened. Yeah, it was definitely um, a thorough, convincing loss. Every phase of the game, they got dominated from the coaching to the offense, the defense. Uh, It was definitely surprising because we we know the Saints came in like the the second worst uh, defense in the league, averaging 29 points a game against them. And the Raiders got, uh, got a little less than that. So... Surprising in the, in the thoroughness of it all, I think. I, I thought it would be a close game. I thought the Saints would score some points, but I definitely was surprised just how bad it was. Yeah, and it was really right from the jump. I mean, the, the defense forced a three and out on their first possession, but, I mean, the Raiders' offense was very clear very early on that they weren't going to be able to do anything, and then the Raiders' defense started getting gashed by, you know, the Saints' Saints offense. You know, they haven't had Michael Thomas or Jarvis Landry, but they've been putting up points really on everybody this season, and I don't think we expected anything different against this Raiders' defense given how they've looked, but it was pretty – startling how bad the offense looked. I mean, Darren Waller didn't play, but even without him, they just shouldn't look this way with, with the talent that they have, especially with how they had been looking the last few games. I mean, they we as we talked about, they started to coalesce and it looked like they were coming into form and, and becoming that, that elite unit that we expected. They looked different than we expected. It was more running offense than a passing offense, but points are points, and however they put them up didn't really matter. And in this game, you know, really neither one of them was going for them. It, it was kind of called back to some of the earlier games in, in the season where – they got into those big deficits early, and then they basically had to give up on the run, even if it was efficient. 
and just go straight drop back. And, and this offensive line, while it's been better than we expected, they still struggle when when it's pure pass protection situations and the Saints were able to just tee off and, and the offense just really couldn't do anything. And so, you know, it's an issue that may not be fixable. You know, I think at this point we have to say that the, the offense is a disappointment. Um, and I know they've had injuries, guys have been in and out, but they're just too good to, to be as mediocre as they, they've been this season, not only with the personnel, but with a coach, a head coach who – why is he has this job? Is because he's been an offensive wizard, you know, his entire career. You know, especially with the, with the Patriots, more so than the Broncos, obviously. But he has that reputation, and uh, it's just it's unacceptable for them. Um, a loss is a loss, obviously. But you know, the way that they looked in this one, there's, there's really not much reason to have optimism about their ability to go on some type of run and turn the season around. Yeah, I, I thought the Saints were just way more physical than they were today. They were loading the box. They did not want Josh Jacobs to beat them. And they were playing man coverage across the board. And, you know, without Marshawn Lattimore, I thought that'd be a recipe for disaster for them. But they were able to play really sticky coverage. Nobody was separating in this game. Devontae Adams did not get separation against Alante Taylor, who who was a rookie. And Hunter Redfro, he just has not separated like he has, uh, he did last season. Um, So, yeah, nobody could get open. There were times where Carr did have time and... Uh, he would just sit there in a pocket waiting for someone to get open and nobody got open and he eventually he, he got sacked you know I, I didn't think there were some times where he was pressured and he had no chance but there were definitely some times where he got he got to his last step of his drop and just sat there in a pocket trying to wait for somebody and, and nothing happened so that's got to be pretty concerning I don't know if the sickness affected Devontae Adams because you wouldn't think that Adams could pretty easily beat some of these corners that he, he faced today but that that just didn't happen you know, Tashawn, one of the quotes you got um, from uh, Thayer Munford Jr. was, was interesting. Um, you know, basically said that the struggles on offense, they weren't on, on the offensive line. Um, he didn't want to point fingers, but uh, but essentially said, hey, this wasn't on us. Um, what, what did you, I mean, I, I, he, he didn't get into any kind of specifics, but what, what did you, what, what did you kind of gather from that and, uh, and kind of his, his thoughts that, hey, you know, don't blame us? Yeah, I think he was because uh, he went on to say, you know, obviously, uh, you know, he thinks the whole team, you know, did their job and, and things of that nature. But, you know, I, I think it kind of plays into, you know, what I was saying earlier about, you know, the run game. It, it wasn't bad in, in the first quarter. I think Josh Jacobs was averaging like four and a half yards per carry or something like that. Um, and then they, they had some weird play call decisions um, in the second quarter on, on third and one. You run the, the jet sweep to Devontae Adams instead of just turn around and hand the ball off. Then you fake a punt. And then on third and two, when Carr threw that interception, there was another situation where he probably could have just ran the ball and he didn't. Um, and then all of a sudden they were in a three score lead and you have to just straight drop back. And I mean, this offensive line is what it is. Like it's solid, but they're not, especially going up against, um, you know, the Saints front. Like they're not, they're just not going to hold up if they they know you're going to pass and they have to drop back every time. So it was really only so much the offensive line could do. Like, like you know, they, they running the ball was pretty much out in the second half. Um, and, and so at that point, they're going to have to be excellent in pass protection every time when the defense knows that they're going to pass. And so. I think, you know, he was more so speaking to the situation. Uh, I don't think he was trying to, you know, say Derek Carr played like shit or Josh McDaniels can't call plays or, or things of that nature. But um, I, th- I think he wanted to, you know, because it's, it's pretty easy. I mean, the, the offensive line, they have four sacks. You know, they they have, what, 50 rushing yards or something like that. See, oh, the offensive line is – see, that, that was the, the fatal flaw. That's why they were never going to win the season in the first place. But obviously – the offense as a collective, like it was a collective failure. It wasn't just on any individual player or, or unit. I would kind of disagree, though. I think um, the tone of the game I thought was set early on. I thought even from the get-go, 
they were getting pushed back. I thought Derek Carr looked definitely uncomfortable right away. I thought he was making some passes were high and he was kind of trying to rush it. Some he just kind of lobbed up because he didn't have enough time. So I thought whether or not they got pushed back the whole game or if it's in spurts, but I thought it definitely affected the way he played the game. I thought uh, he didn't have much confidence in the way they were blocking. And I thought more so than in the past for guys or the rookies, I thought Colton Miller had a really rough game and similar to Andre James, and they both got beat uh, pretty badly on and several plays that kind of loomed large. So I, I don't – you're right. Everybody deserves, deserves blame in this game, but I thought the line definitely um, kind of showed its warts a little bit today, more so than the previous previous weeks. Oh yeah, they played bad too. Like I don't think, like I don't, he didn't, he wasn't trying to. I don't think he's trying to. You know, he's he's not going to shit on the rest of the unit. But I don't think he would argue that they they played well. I think it was just you know they were they were one of many things. Because um, I mean, like Derek Carr, even when he had a clean pocket, like some of his throws were just. I think of the one early on on the third down, Mac Collins, like he was pretty wide open. He just threw it way too high, went off his hands. But it really wasn't on him. The Renfro pick, I don't know what he was looking at. Ren Renfro was surrounded, and he just double clutched and like thought about it, and like, yeah, his. He said he was trying to drop it in. He thought he said he saw a window trying to drop it in. That's but cool, but I saw three or four defenders. <laughs> so like, he said it's a big window. It's a very yeah. small window. So it's just it you know he, he was trying to throw a crosser with the over the linebacker that was that was helping, and he just severely under he, he had a chance if he put it in the right spot, but he severely underthrew that pass. And then the only time a receiver was really open was at Holland's. Well, downfield at least was that Holmes pass, and that was because it was a nickel blitz, and he was open in the the honey hole, and uh, Carr just missed him. But to me, the the biggest surprising thing in this game was how they just, the receivers just couldn't get any separation against these Saints defensive backs that weren't that good, and they weren't doing anything special in coverage. They were just playing straight up man coverage, and they couldn't get open. Well, that kid Taylor looked pretty good. I'm not sure what his you know his scouting report is, but he looked good today. I thought he played really aggressive. I was impressed by him. I know he's only a rookie, but I thought he made some plays today. You know, Devontae Adams, you know, he only had one catch for three yards. He did have that – I do think that catch he had on the sideline, it looked like to me he had his feet in bounds. So, you know, whatever the final statistics, maybe he should have had, you know, two catches for 40 yards. But they were able to pretty much effectively, you know, take him out of the game. Hunter Renfro only had one catch. And so, you know, as Ted said, like the receivers weren't getting separation either downfield when they did have time to throw. And so really, I mean, and I already pointed out the play calling. So pretty much everybody on offense stunk today. Like there was no – Except for I guess Josh Jacobs was 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 fine. He just didn't really get to he get, basically didn't get to play you know as a running back in the second half because they they wouldn't run the ball anymore. And so outside of him, it, it, there really aren't any bright spots um, on the offense today. Derek Carr did not take a single snap in Saints territory. Uh, they did, Raiders got to the forty nine yard line once with Carr in there, and then uh, they didn't cross midfield until uh, after Jarrett Stidham took over on that final drive of mop up duty pathetic display of offense and Vic you know the the game that I think everyone brings back memories of and Derek Carr admitted uh, that that was the game that he thought of was the 52 nothing loss to uh to the Rams uh, in St. Louis in 2014 back in his rookie year which uh was uh, the year that started with Dennis Allen as their head coach he was fired Tony Sperano was the interim coach uh, you were there for both of them how, how would you compare the two losses I think you know if we're talking about this is a team that certainly had more expectations uh, than that team. I mean, that was a team with a rookie quarterback that was, what, 1-10 in 10 at the time? They had just won their first game. Is that right? They won the first game the previous weeks. So that team was terrible. But I think that game, I remember, because the Rams were also not good. The Rams, uh, the quarterback was Sean Hill. I believe the guys, the big guys that day for the Rams offensively were Trey Mason and Stedman Bailey. 
So that shows you what they're going against. Those guys. Deshaun, you know you had those jerseys, right? I was a St. Louis Rams fan at the time. So I'm like, why are you churning up these memories? Like, do we have to talk about this? You had your Trey Mason jersey. That game was shocking to them. That game was a full-on just uh, ass-beating. They beat their ass the entire game. They brought in Matt Schaub. He threw a pick six. It was just like a thorough. But this game, it kind of got to a point where they're saying, okay, we're done. We're 24. That's, That's more than enough. We're good. And the Raiders kind Dennis of. Dennis Allen showed mercy on, on Mark Davis. There you go. So I just think this game was kind of a, definitely more surprising because there's so much more talent in this team. I mean, like we talked about, the Raiders have so much offensive talent to get no points against this Saints defense. With you know, very few, like a lot of guys are out. They have very few legitimate big time players in that defense. I mean, Cam Jordan played well, Marcus Davenport, but there's no reason why you can't you can't score points. So I think this is shockingness of, of not scoring points against this team with this team was uh, kind of the feeling today, whereas the first game was like just two bad teams and kind of got out of hand. Uh, but this was more like, um, you know, this team was supposed to be uh, on the way up with some confidence. Uh, we're clicking now, you know, Josh Jacobs, and just um, a very sudden reversal from that. I don't think any of us fully bought in, but I mean, I think... You three, you three guys did. You three guys all bought in. I was like, eh, you guys all bought in. I, I mean, there was, there was at least reason to think that the, the Raiders could kind of climb out of this a little bit they had played well pretty well for the last three games gone two and one beat the broncos lose by one of the chiefs beat the texans um you know they, they closed that one out in convincing fashion so i mean you know you, you start looking at them they're only two and four but they go on the road this is the game they were favored on the road they win that they win in jacksonville they're four and, they could get to four and four were we idiots for for even thinking that that was a possibility that they could climb out of this i mean if we look at the the talent on this roster and you think that they should be better than they are but um i guess we need to start just trusting what their record is yeah i mean like regardless of how much talent you have or you know how close the margin of defeat is like if, if, if you're a team capable of looking like they did today and, and your, your record is your record. So like they're, they're going to be they're a bad football team. If, if these losses continue to pile up, it doesn't matter how it looks or if it's something Hunter Renfro said after the game today, like 24, 23, 24, zero losses a loss. And so, you know, you can only get by on that. We're right there. Or if we just make this adjustment or this one play like that stuff, that shit only goes so far. And you know, eventually it, it runs out in terms of the the excuses and, and trying to keep hope alive. And so at some point, you know, we have to take them for the, for the resume and what they're putting on tape. And, and what, we're, what they're putting on tape is that this team, you know, isn't the team ready to do the things that, that you know, the offseason moves they made would indicate, you know, I mean, going to get Demonte Adams, signing Chandler Jones, uh, revamping the roster, bringing a new regime. They, they, they pushed their chips in the table to a degree and, and trying to make a run this year. And it's, it's clear that's not happening. Like, you know, like even if they somehow make the playoffs, they ain't going nowhere if they make it. Somehow uh, makes so. the playoffs. <laughs> say, say, hey, hey, say, even whoa, if they did, whoa, they, even whoa, if they whoa. did, they aren't going anywhere. But, like, it seems pretty clear, like, this is not going to be a playoff team this year. They have to look themselves in the eyes and, and reassess a few things. And I don't think it's going to come through a fire sale at the trade deadline Tuesday. But um, if not then, then, then this upcoming offseason – they do have some flexibility at some notable positions. That, you know, maybe it's too early to talk about that right now. But like, you know, there's, there's certain guys that like are committed to, but not really. Are to, you talking to, about an to, exit ramp? Is, is there an exit know, ramp you want to reference? Know, you know, so I mean, like, we'll see. But like, you know, if they they stay on this path and fall short, there's, there's definitely going to be some shakeup. And like, you know, I mean, they're they're not you know firing Josh McDaniels or Dave Ziegler or making another hierarchy change like that. So if, if somebody's going to pay, it's going to be somebody on the roster. We have to wait and see if that comes to fruition. I was going to say, I think we have been consistent as far as saying that they have enough talent to beat anybody, and they almost beat the Chiefs. And they also have enough holes 
they can lose anybody. I think that's been shown. So I think it's um, that's ideally where coaching comes into play. You can kind of mend that little, that little gap, but uh, clearly they're not anywhere close to being there. So they're still trying to figure out who they are. And uh, today, I mean, all the holes um, kind of got uh, bigger and bigger, and I couldn't uh, couldn't do anything. So we'll see what happens. But yeah, two and five. They got a week now, in Sarasota, to kind of uh, to bond together and become stronger, and we'll see if that works out for them. The only glimmer of hope is that we still really haven't seen Waller, Renfro, and Adams play together. You know, if you're a Raider really? fan, don't worry about the playoffs. You know, just just hope to see some offensive fireworks. It could be fun. You know, it's better than watching them. <laughs> <laughs> it could be fun. <laughs> oh, that's good. I like that one. Don't uh, like. d- don't uh, yeah, don't 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 you know, hold out hope for the playoffs. Just 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 hope. You know, you see some offensive fireworks when they're when they're all together. Could be fun, and you know, who knows? Maybe they'll still get a really high draft pick and uh, score some points and. Um, that's probably that might be the best thing for the franchise. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruits and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. New Raider slogan, just offensive fireworks, baby. Could be fun. Could be fun instead could of be, just... Could be Raider. fun. <laughs> oh, jeez. Just wait till Waller's back. Surprised he didn't play today? I mean, it seemed like he, it seemed like early in the week he felt confident he would play. Um, went through the pregame, you know, warm up and, and wasn't able to go. Uh, are we surprised by that? Not really. I mean, like, hamstring injuries are, are, are tricky. So it's, 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 it's so much of a feel thing that 
you know, he might think he's good, and he gets out there on the field, runs around a little bit. He's like, eh, never mind, I'm not doing that. And so it's, I know, you know, fans are are gonna shit on him for that, but that's like, that's consistent across any sport. Like any sort of significant hamstring injury for somebody that's not stationary, like it's, it, there's really, everybody's guessing when it comes to how quickly they're gonna be back or not. And so, you know, it's been three weeks since he originally heard it. You know, and, and so some people might be like, oh, he should be back out there already. But if he got out there and he tore the shit off the bone, then they'd be like, oh, wow, why did we let him play? Like, he never should have been playing. So, I mean, it can't go both ways. And I think if there's any sort of indecision or not being sure about it, then you should just rest. Especially the way, way this season is looking like. They signed him to a contract that goes on for, what is it, four, four years altogether. So, like, significant hamstring injury could potentially derail him for much longer than, than this season in terms of his, his future outlook. And so, especially when you've already committed to a guy like that, like I'm, I'm sure the coaching staff and the personnel department, they don't want him out there either. If, he, if he's not, you know, if he's in danger of potentially worsening the injury at all, especially playing on turf too. I mean, we all know that, uh, that, that turf is not great for these injuries. So maybe getting it back out there next week on grass um, is better for him. All right, they they head to the week in Florida. Vic, is this going to be a great week of, of bonding? Maybe going to the dog track and uh, just just really coming together. Week of uh, of Florida sunshine, or uh, or is this a week where they spend all week around each other and start hating each other even more? Great question. I don't know the answer to that. It would have been a much funner week for me as far as locker room access goes if they had won the game. I think it won't be a very happy bunch of guys. But you, you mean hotel I, ballroom access? Exactly. So I just think. Um, I don't know where they're at. I mean, obviously, um, they have to figure out um, their faith in each other, their faith in the coaching staff, if they actually have some answers. I think, um, like Ted said, if they get Waller back or if they can figure out how to get Devontae Adams the ball more, which is always a good thing. I just, um, But defensively, we, we kind of glaze over defense. Defense, I don't know what the answer – if there are any answers there, I think defense is they're just not good. I mean, A. Dalton was not touched at all today, zero touches. Carr was hit uh, nine times. So that's a huge disparity. I think the pass rush, even with Max Crosby, is not good. Uh, linebackers are not very good. And uh, DBs are kind of beaten up. But uh, so far, Anthony Everett's kind of been a dis- disappointment. So where there is hope on the offense, and maybe they can figure it out and get things these, these parts going, on uh, defense, I'm not sure there is any hope. Nah, the defense defense is, is, is what it is at this point. I mean, there is no schematic change or anything of that nature. I know some people are probably calling for Patrick Graham to get fired. Like, the defense just isn't good. Like, they don't have the players. They're not going to be good until they get some better players, especially with guys like Nate Hobbs out on IR. Defense is going to stink, and that's why it's even more – that's why I'm – this loss is the most concerning by far to me because we, we the, the offense just looks like – like if the offense isn't one that's going to be capable of carrying them to wins, then they're, then they're for sure cooked as a team. Like they're going to have to put up points to win games because of how their defense is. This offense has to be elite. And today it looked like one where it's like, oh snap! Like maybe that was just like maybe that run where they scored you know thirty something points a game for three games. Maybe that was an aberration, and really this offense just isn't really that good either. What can they do? I mean, to try to build a defense. I mean, it, it's been something that you know really twenty years now we've been wondering that question i mean what what's the best way to try to go about building a defense that can at least be you know mediocre i mean they, they've got max crosby but um certainly not a whole lot else you know in that front four i mean the, the hard thing with you you have a lot of different coaching changes a lot of different coordinators you don't get to have that consistency but i mean is that is that the key do they need to just decide like this is going to be our identity on defense for the next three four five years and say we're going to go all in and just trying to build a bunch of guys that can beat you up in the line of scrimmage or i mean what would you do if you were going to go about trying to finally build a, a competent defense 
Yeah, I think, you know, your philosophy changes year to year just because, you know, the, the offensive trends around the league changes year to year and just finding a coordinator that is able to do that and do it competently is key. And, you know, I, I think we've seen signs of it from Patrick Graham throughout the different stops that he, he was at before. But, you know, he, so far with the Raiders, it just ha- hasn't happened yet. And, um, you know, I, I think he needs some better players for us to truly get a feel for where he's at. And it's hard for me to say that, you know, it's just to, to pick this one philosophy and then just build on that. But obviously I think you need to get some better, some better defensive backs. I think where's where these league, this league is going is just too tough to play defense when you don't have the defensive back position solidified and have, have depth, have depth there. And it's just been a long time since we've seen, um, the Raiders just really have a really good, strong secondary with talent and depth. The key thing is this regime, much like the last regimes, you can't miss on draft picks. You can't miss on free agents. And I mean, Charlie Jones, I uh, didn't see him much today. He didn't do much today. I mentioned Averitt. Um, Rocky Hassan has been decent, I think. He's been solid. Uh, Jayon Brown, kind of a non-factor this year. So the guys they brought in haven't done much. So I think that's a big issue. That's been the case all along the last decade or more so with guys who bring in who don't play very well. You know, and they've also always kind of been in this in-between stage, right? Where they're not the worst team in the league, where they're getting a high draft pick. Except for the one year they do get a high draft pick. They do get a number four pick. They absolutely, completely swing and miss. I mean, that's the thing. is like, like when you're, you know, that team that's kind of flirting with 500, you know, you're in that range. You're always picking in the, the teens, maybe early 20s. You don't have the, the huge resources to really get a, a, an impact guy. And when you have the number four pick and you get a guy who four years later is a rotational defensive lineman, that's hard to recover from. Yeah. I mean, between draft capital and free agency dollars, I'm not sure there's a team that's wasted more resources on defense than the Raiders the last few years. You know, this is a new regime. Obviously, it's their first year. So, you know, I guess it's not necessarily their fault. But, I mean, they they already have had some moves that you would deem a miscue, like Chandler Jones. Trading Unique Ngakwe and then signing him to a big deal that hasn't worked out. You know, Bilal Nichols, he hasn't given them the interior pass rush that they would they would love to see. They gave Anthony Averett a pretty big deal. I mean, he's making almost five million dollars, and they traded Trayvon Mullen um, in response to that, and that hasn't really worked out for them so far. And so, even them is just I don't know if it's something just about the Raiders. Like I don't know why it's that this team in particular just can't seem to get it right on that side of the ball. But you just can't keep missing um, with these premium assets um, that they have, um, and until they do. Defense is going to keep looking like what it's looking like. And also, I, mean, I want to put all the players. I do think the scheme is also an issue because I don't know if it's too complicated or if it's not being lost in translation. But, like, there are numerous times today where Alvin Kamara was wide open on swing on swing passes. I know he's a great player and he can beat you regardless, but you shouldn't be totally, like, amazed that he's going to get the ball on a swing pass, which I thought happened a few times. So I, I don't know what the, their plan was or if that was just a blatant – uh, mixed up, but uh, he was wide open way too often today, I thought, for a guy who definitely schemed against all week in practice. Two things you should not be surprised about if you're a defense. Alvin Kamara getting the ball on screen on swing passes, and Travis Kelsey getting the ball down near the goal line. They've been surprised by both of those things. They have been, so definitely there's, there's some glitch. Again, there's enough blame to go you know, throughout the coaching staff and the roster, but uh, we're at a point now where it's, you know, it's, it's kind of a uh, it's bleak. It's two and five, and you got to really make some big changes this week, or it's going to be a really long season. 
going to be almost time for you guys to start studying draft prospects, but not quite yet. Um, not quite yet. Not quite yet. Uh, we'll see what happens at the trade deadline. I mean, I, I love that. Uh, I love that Vols quarterback. That's all I'm going to say. That's it. No, we're done. <laughs> Uh, we'll see what happens at the trade deadline. We kind of thought, all right, if they if they win both these games, then you know you're definitely not in seller mode. At two and five, I don't think you can completely hang up the phone on anybody. I think they're probably in some kind of an in between mode where if you make a big move to sell, you're completely tanking away a season. But also they they need to build assets, so it'll be an interesting next couple of days. I still don't know who they have that's tradable. What do they have besides Josh Jacobs that's a tradable asset? I don't I don't, I don't really know. Do they have anybody? I mean, Waller. Nobody's going to, I mean, like, because Waller right now, I mean, normally he would, but he's coming off a season when he was injured. This season he's been injured, and when he's healthy, he hasn't looked that good. And he's gave him a, a big contract, and so that's a lot of a lot of money to take on for a guy that's been injured, basically, for two seasons and, and hasn't been that productive. Like, to get something of note, like, to get an asset of note, like, they're going to have to, like, blow it up, blow it up. Like, because other guys that are under contracts, significant contracts, like Chandler Jones isn't about, like nobody's about to come calling you for Chandler Jones necessarily right now. They're never trading somebody like Max Crosby or, or Devontae Adams, right? Really, the only move that stands out is like if they just said, we're punting on the season, trade Derek Carr now. Which like, that feels, that feels just That's too, not drastic. Too, that That's feels not too drastic for where they're at. And anything short of that, they're not getting anything that's like, a first or second round pick like it's going to be mid to late round picks that like i guess that could help you but like probably not that much so you're better off just kind of keeping what you have and just seeing if they can go on a run and that's, that seems like the most likely outcome because to get something of note they have to go to such a drastic length it's not like the broncos where like they could trade bradley chubb and get a first round pick maybe or something like that like the raiders don't have guys that fit that kind of mold where they could trade them and they're like oh, okay they could still like try to win with this like they have to like completely like give up and change the direction of the franchise in order to get something at the deadline. And it just feels, feels a bit extreme for where they are right now, even coming off of this loss. I mean, Jacobs is their, is their most realistic tradable asset that would get them, you know, something pretty decent. I mean, you look at Christian McCaffrey went for a two, three, four, and five. I don't know that Jacobs gets that much, but could you get a two and a three for him? Could you get a two and a four for him? Is that worth it? I don't know. He's the most realistic tradable asset that you have that will get you something that will, you know, help you build your team in the future. Yeah. And I don't even know if he would get like two day, two picks like McCaffrey got, like, it seems like a little, probably a little high, just given his, I know McCaffrey is coming off of injuries. And McCaffrey has that contract too, but also you would have to pay Jacobs next year. So that'd become a consideration. Yeah. Cause you don't have like that, that, uh, you know, like if they had accepted his fifth year option, he'd probably even be more attractive because the teams would have that control for next season. But since they declined that, they still have the franchise. The franchise tag is like, I think is, is it, I think the franchise tag is like nine million for a running back. So it's basically this, the, the franchise. Oh, yeah, you maybe you, you can't, can't, you can't, you can't, you can't uh, franchise tag, tag a guy after you trade him. So that wouldn't be on the table. So they would, they would have to pay him basically whatever his market value is going to be based on how he's playing is going to be a pretty nice chunk. And so, like, again, that's just. Because part of the intrigue with the McCaffrey deals is none of it's guaranteed, so they can kind of play around with the money, the funny money, and create some cap space and all that. Like they, I don't know. Like maybe to get one day two pick for Jacobs, but like, does that really feel like worth the loss? I don't know. It depends if they have any plans for him past this year. If they didn't, then it is. But I mean, it's going to be tough. I mean, like the trade deadline's not going to be a factor. I just think you know, like we talked about, got to come together, man. You got to have like a big crab boil on the beach this week. Yell at each other, do some hugging and stuff. Like just. Kind of go to town, getting in each other's heads. And I don't know. Come out. 
bury the crab boil. Bury the crab boil. You want to eat it? No, it's like, a, I mean. <laughs> it's like signifying burying the yeah, I know, burying I, I, the, I uh, this New Orleans games away and moving on, you know? Oh, yeah. I got yeah, you. The, the, okay. Raiders can't they, – they, they, they've tried the burying stuff, the burying the football. That, Bury that, the football, that crap, man. That Wait, crap don't work. Did they win the game after they buried the football? No. Okay. <laughs> bad idea. Bad idea. Forget it. <laughs> Sounds simple, but it's kind of like you know we gotta score points. You gotta, I mean, you shouldn't, it shouldn't be hard with this team. So you gotta figure that out first. All right, guys. Well, that'll wrap up our post game edition of State of the Nation. We'll be back later this week. Vic's gonna enjoy some Florida sunshine and help you get ready for the Raiders taking on Trevor Lawrence and the Jacksonville Jaguars. Big game, two and five against two and six. That's prime time shit right there. We should send him to London. That's a London matchup. Yeah, they should send them across the pond for that one. <laughs> uh, oh, Jags lost there, huh? Wow. Yeah, yeah. The Broncos eked them out, so the Raiders are last in the division again. No positive note this time, guys. Bye. Talk to you later. Adios.